Welcome back to the Confident in Christ podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Valley Springs, Arkansas. This is Pastor Sean Milliken, and we're glad you've joined us today. I want to start off by reading Psalm 119, verses 2 through 4. It says, How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. It's so important that we as Christians go to God's Word, that we value God's Word and have confidence in it, and that we seek to order our lives in accordance to the Word of God. So this month, we gathered around the table to discuss the Bible as our basis of beliefs. We're sitting around the table this month with Russell and Sarah, John, Stacy, Kurt, Clayton, and myself, and we're talking about the Bible. The Bible is the basis of our Christian beliefs, and uh, we want to grow in our understanding, our appreciation, and our adherence to the Bible. We want to think and talk about maybe some of the technical questions and, and skeptical questions about the Bible. I want to begin, though, this week with 1 Peter chapter 1, just one of many passages in the Bible where the Bible actually makes a claim about itself. And this is in verses 23 through 25. Peter writes, For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. And so we notice some things about God's word, that it's living, that it's active, that it's powerful that it's able to transform and bring life. He talks about us being born again of that word. He says it endures forever. It never goes out of style. It never fades. It never fails. And I think that most Christians or many Christians have that kind of confidence. Not everybody shares our confidence. But as Christians, we come to the Bible with that sort of mentality, that sort of um, confidence that the Bible does something. And the apostles believed that. It was central to their ministry. They said, we preached it. It was the word that was preached to you. So my question for the group, first of all, is would anyone like to share how the word of God has been active in your life, where it's been powerful, where that imperishable seed brought life? I just think personally, as I study the word, it may be a scripture that I've seen multiple times. But depending on where I'm at in my life and what's going on and what my prayers are and how committed I am to the word in that time, it constantly brings new things to mind. So it could be the same scripture. And the one I think about is 1 Corinthians 13, which is a love chapter, which we all know and we know well. And it's preached at marriages. But until I read it with I can I could it could have been the 15th time I've read it. But yet it brings something new to me. And so, like, I remember one time reading it and thinking, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm right. It doesn't matter if if I win an argument. It, it doesn't doesn't matter what I do. If I didn't do whatever that was in love, it was worth nothing. And, and I don't know. It just I, it's just amazing to me how I can read certain scriptures, but but God puts something new. It's like He reveals things in my in in timing where He knows I will receive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? And I said this last time too, but it's my favorite Bible verse is Romans five eight. I had read that before and I knew, I knew what it said, like while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I knew that. I knew it. But I 
was in the middle of this, like, I need to purge these things. I, and I knew I, I knew I didn't have to do those things. But when I read that verse, it just, that to me was the first time that it was really alive and active in my life. And I mean, there have been multiple since then, but that one just sticks out to me the most. Anyone else? I'd say for me, it's the daily verses on just anything like you version or daily devotional is something that you learn from it, a little different thing that you want to try to add into your life every single day you read it. It's like one day it'll talk about patience, one day it's about forgiveness, one day it's about grace under pressure, and some days it's about the hope of Jesus and about just being able to go day to day and just learn something new and try to adding it into your life to where it makes you an all in all a better Christian and gets you more in depth in the word and more focused on God. Anybody have a life verse? So mine would be Romans 12, 1 and 2 verses. At a point in my life where I was really seeking the Lord, what God, what do you want from me as a Christian man? And uh, I don't know why I remember sitting in my little chair and reading that early one morning by lamplight and Romans 12, 1 and 2, just like, like arrows in my heart. Um, and it says, Therefore, by the mercies of God, offer yourself a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. Uh, be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It talks about being able to know God's will. So I, I committed that to memory. Unfortunately, I've committed it to memory in about four different versions. So that was some hybrid right there. Maybe I misquoted. <laughs> but, but the powerful truths of it. I mean, it changed my life in that moment, redirected my life. And it's interesting. Anytime I go to those verses, it's like it just wake, wakes something up in me. And uh, God continues, like Stacy said, to use that and show me new things. And those two little verses, pretty amazing. And so it's definitely been active in my life. Um, so we're thinking about the Bible and, and the power of it. And as a church, as Christians... I mean, we believe, or we should believe, the Bible and what it says. I have this little quote from a theologian, Stan Norman, in his book, The Baptist Way. Stan Norman now is the president of Williams Baptist College over in Walnut Ridge. But uh, I love this quote. He said, the Baptist story is one of a group of believers who desire to have churches based on the authority of the New Testament, born of a confidence in scriptures as the authoritative written revelation of God. So, of course, not only Baptists, a lot in the, the Protestant tradition, that was where the Protestant tradition really was born out of looking at the, the Catholic Church and saying, man, I mean, most people don't even know the Bible. They're reading it in Latin. They don't understand it. And, and there were some competing authorities in the church. So there are multiple authorities we could come to and, and lean against. We say the Bible is our authority. Um, some groups would say church tradition or what the Pope or church leaders say is on equal footing with Scripture. Some look at uh, personal experience and revelation. You'll see a lot of people talking about something was revealed to them, and uh, that gets a little bit scary. Can some? Christians are looking at philosophy or reason or maybe what the culture says. So a lot of different possibilities for a source of authority. But our belief as Baptists is that the word of God 
is our authority for life, for our practice, for understanding who Jesus is, and for the Christian faith. What do y'all think? Yeah, so as a, as a church, when we um, look at the Bible, there is always opportunities to uh, look at what you, uh, our human tendency is to do what we've been doing, to think the way we've been thinking, to say the things we have said. And as time goes, you age, you mature, your understanding grows, your wisdom grows, hopefully. And you study the Bible, your understanding of theology grows too. God reveals more to you as you have the capacity to have more revealed to you. But the fascinating thing that I'll always uh, come back to the Bible on is the it's, it literally just is the wisdom of ages. Uh, when you read it uh, as an older person with more experience and more background, a verse that, you know, one of those beget, begot verses that you kind of blow by as a young person. Uh, you like the Proverbs. Uh, straight, simple, you know, yes, no, those are pretty clean uh, when, you, when you're young. But as you get older, you, you, you really appreciate and, and you realize each verse is there for a reason. And may not be your reason today at your point in life, mm -hmm. but it is there for somebody at somebody's point in life. And it's there on purpose. Uh, and so uh, I'm fascinated by how the Bible can have so many different, a simple story like Cain and Abel uh, can, uh, there's so many layers in Cain and Abel. It's a paragraph story in the Bible and uh, you can look at it from God's relationship to man from brother's relationship, from dad's and son's relationships, from first murder in the Bible to uh, just uh, there's so many ways to uh, read that and take that. And depending on where you are in your life, you'll get different understandings and depth out of that same story. And that's the reason it's important to not treat it like a book. Well, I read that, you know, I read I read my geology book when I was uh, 22 in college, I don't go back and study that geology again. The Bible's not like that. Uh, there is wisdom in the Bible that you just come back to time after time, and there you, you don't plumb the depths, no matter how many times you dig in it. That's right. I have to agree with you, Kurt. It's uh, As a kid, I mean, if you're in Sunday school, you learn Cain and Abel. It's Cain killed Abel. That's really bad. Oh, no. And then you come back later, and you're like, it's because Cain and Abel, they sacrifice different things and they both value different things. And they come back later and it's you get a whole, as you said, a whole nother story behind it, the relationship behind everything. And it is, as Sean said, wisdom of all ages, different scriptures. So a couple of things about the way we approach the Bible. I, again, I, sorry to quote really boring sources, but uh, our Baptist faith and message, it's important. The Baptist Faith and Message 2000, I thought it said a, in one paragraph, said a mouthful. It says this about the scriptures. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It's the perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, the truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center 
of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. So there are four core evangelical or Baptist or Christian convictions about the Bible that I think you see in the Baptist faith and message. One is inspiration, that God revealed truth to us by inspiring the men of old, as they have said, to write down his words. And, and we believe that the Bible is inspired by God. It's God breathed. Uh, it's authoritative for Christian living. It is our authority, as we said earlier. It's inerrant. He said, the Baptist faith and message said it's without any mixture of error for its matter. So the belief that is that in the original manuscripts, they were they're perfect without any mixture of error. I remember, I don't know if I've shared this with you all, but I, I had a Bible years ago as one of these cheap Walmart checkout line Bibles. And there were some misprinted pages. Obviously, anybody, you could be a 10-year-old kid and look and go, the copy machine messed up. <laughs> and I kept that Bible and wrote errors across it to say that there are have been errors in the copying processes, whether that's men writing it down or machines. But the Bible is without error in its original manuscript. And then also it's sufficient to lead us to Christ. And I, that's why we wanted to talk about the Bible this month was because we were talking last month about building these Christian maps and mental models. Well, how do we know all of those things? Ultimately, it's because of the Bible, God's revelation to us. One thought I would say, the Bible, as in its original manuscript, we believe was inspired. But that doesn't mean that all interpretation of the Bible is inspired and without error. They're, they're, uh, just because the word, we believe, is doesn't have error doesn't mean that when I interpret what it says or, or, or get meaning that, that that I can read into it my history my you know my values my culture my I can read into it mm -hmm. uh, things that weren't there 2,000 years ago when it was written uh, and I, I do have the capacity to read error uh, into, into and, and subject the Bible to my view of things and of what it's trying to communicate and and create that appearance of error. But uh, yeah, I think the, that is a foundational thought is that the Bible in and of itself is error-free. One of my personal beliefs is that the uh, creation, it, it, there is no error between the Bible's description of creation and science's foundation, uh, uh, findings of creation. I think the, all of those things will come together in the final analysis that God's creation and God's word are in in communion but when you're in the middle you, you you don't have complete perception of what what was meant or intended or or in science also in a similar vein doesn't have the whole story yet and does, doesn't have all the answers and so they are sifting through an incomplete revelation on their part and uh, um, and so you know that's that's one thing I would say about the Bible is uh, it's perfect, but that doesn't necessarily mean we we read it perfectly. Yeah, we we have plenty of errors. The yeah. Bible doesn't. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good thought. So this may be jumping ahead, but when you look at the different translations, sometimes I'm amazed at I'll read a verse in one translation and then 
I'm like, well, that sounds different than what I remember. And so I'll look it up in a different translation because there's like four or five I have at the house. And, and it's it's obviously different. I mean, you know, it's the same concept. And if you read it in context, it, you know what it's saying. But if you just pick that one verse out, it's like, wow, that really sounds different in, in this translation versus this translation. And so I don't get too hung up on that because I trust it is living. I trust that that God, it's not just words on a page, that, that God is going to direct me and guide me as he needs to in that relationship through those words. But I just wondered if there's translations that speak to you more than others or that you think, oh, no, you know, this one is kind of off. Yeah. Well, I'll actually come to that in a later session about which translations. But that's a great point. There were original manuscripts, Hebrew, Semitic languages, Aramaic, Greek, and our translations, and so you do have that wide, very wide range. And you know, some that gets into translation theory. Some words just do not have an equivalent in the language. And and uh, so there is definitely a, a science there. And um, uh, but I'm like you; it doesn't shake my confidence any. But I do think, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks about which translations, or at least the translation approaches, seem most faithful to the word. But that's a great, uh, great thought. Just makes me want to dig a little bit deeper and uh, into the into the word. Kind of like what Kurt was saying, and Stacy, people we're not perfect in how we read it, and a lot of people might pull certain scripture, uh, just one verse out of context and use it. Um, you know, a lot of people do that to argue against the Bible and Christianity, but um, when you go back and read in context the uh, verse before or after, um, you can go back and argue against what they're trying to say. But so many people is like, they'll take one verse, snip it out, and uh, use it for something that's not a true belief. Absolutely. There's a lot to learning how to read the Bible faithfully. And, and we are, we grow in that. And it's a process. Uh, I've, I've misunderstood things. And come later and said, oh, I totally, I totally didn't get that. Maybe there was more light in another book or something like that. But uh, Blaise Pascal, he said that if one man wrote a book foretelling many of the specifics, for instance, of Jesus coming, this would carry infinite weight. But if there were a succession of men over 4,000 years coming invariably to the same conclusion, and an entire people continuing in certainty of belief in spite of great suffering and persecutions, how much more greater weight should we feel? I thought that was a great quote, that if one man could come up with just a, a portion of what the Bible foresaw, for instance, in Jesus, that would be amazing. How much more that all of these people, the Bible writers, and then the Christians 2,000 years later, who have, in spite of persecution and suffering, continued on with their belief in Christ and belief in the and confidence in the word of God. So I would just close this up and say this, that the best way to grow in your confidence of the word, I believe, is to get in the word, to read it, to study it, to apply it, to obey it, and uh, your confidence will just grow and grow. At least that, that has been the case for me. As you seek to personally apply the things we've talked about during the podcast and maybe discuss them with others, discuss your favorite book of the Bible or maybe your life Bible verse or talk about a time in your life where the Bible has come alive 
and really spoken to you. Some other great things to talk about are what translation of the Bible you use and why. I hope you'll join us again next week for Confident in Christ as we continue thinking about God's Word.